Chapter Five of Bashan and I by Thomas Mann. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The Chase, Part One. The region is rich in game, and so we go a hunting it. That is to say, Bashan goes hunting, and I look on. In this wise we hunt rabbits, quail, field mice, moles, ducks, and gulls. But we do not, by any means, fight shy of bigger game. We also track pheasants and even deer, whenever such first-rate quarry, as sometimes happens, strays into our hunting grounds. This always furnishes an exciting spectacle, when the long-legged, slightly-built animals, the furtive deer, all yellow against the snow, and with its white-tufted hindquarters bobbing, goes flying before little old Bashan, who is straining every nerve. I followed the course of events with the greatest interest and tension. It is not as if anything were ever to result from this chase, for that has never happened and never will happen. But the lack of tangible results does not in the least diminish either Bashan's joy or his passion for hunting, nor does it in any way minimize my pleasure. We pursue the chase for its own sake, and not for the sake of prey or booty or any other utilitarian purpose. Bashan, as I have said, is the active member. He does not expect any save a moral support from me, since no personal and immediate experience has taught him a more pronounced and practical manner of cooperation. I lay particular stress upon the words personal and immediate, for it is more than probable that his ancestors, in so far as they belong to the tribe of setters, were familiar with more actual methods of hunting. On occasion I have asked myself whether some memory of this might not survive in him, and whether this could not be aroused by some accidental impulse. It is certain that on Bashan's plane of existence the life of the individual is less differentiated from the species than in our case. Birth and death signify a far less profound vacillation of the balance of being. Perhaps the inheritance of the blood are more perfectly preserved, so that it would merely be an apparent contradiction to speak of inborn experiences, unconscious memories, which, once aroused, would be able to confuse the creature in the matter of its own personal experiences, and cause it to be dissatisfied with these. I once courted this thought, but then rid myself of it, just as Bashan had obviously rid himself of the thought of the brutal incident of which he had been a witness and which gives me occasion for these deliberations. When I go forth to hunt with him, it usually chances to be noon, half-past eleven or twelve o'clock. Sometimes, especially on very warm summer days, it may even be late afternoon, say six o'clock or later. It may be that this is even our second going out. In any case, my mental and spiritual atmosphere is quite different from what it was during our first careless stroll in the morning. The virgin freshness of the early hour has vanished long since. I have worried and have struggled in the interval with this or that. I have been forced to grit my teeth and overcome one difficulty after the other. I have had a tussle with some person or other. At the same time, I have been obliged to keep some diffuse and complicated matter firmly in mind, and my head is weary, especially after a successful mastery of the problem. 
hence this going a-hunting with bastion distracts and enlivens me it infuses me with new life putting me into condition for the rest of the day and for triumph over the tasks that are still lowering in my path it is really largely the impulse of gratitude which forces me to describe these hunting trips things to be sure are not so neatly arranged that bashan and i could go forth in pursuit of any one special species of the game which i have mentioned that we should for instance specialize on rabbits or ducks no on the contrary we hunt everything that chances to cross our path i had almost said that chances to come within range of our guns we need not go very far in order to strike game the hunt may literally begin immediately outside the garden gate for there are great numbers of field mice and moles in the hollows of the meadows close behind the house to be exact and sportsmanlike i am aware that these fur-bearing animals cannot of course be regarded as game in the strict sense of the term but their secret subterranean habits especially the nimble craftiness of the mice which are not blind of day like their excavating and tunneling brethren and often go gambling upon the surface and then when danger approaches go flicking into the little black burrow without one's being able to distinguish their legs or their movements these things work tremendously upon bashan's hunting instincts these are also the only animals of the wild which occasionally become his prey a field mouse a mole these are tidbits which are not to be despised in such lean and meagre days as these when one often finds nothing more palatable than a thick barley soup in the stoneware bowl beside one's kennel i have scarcely taken a dozen steps with my cane along the popular avenue and bashan has as an overture scarcely got through with his preliminary leaps and lunges than he is seen to be performing the most extraordinary capricoles towards the right he is already gripped by the passion for the chase and is blind and deaf to all things save the exciting but hidden goings-on of the living things about him with every nerve taut and tense waving his tail carefully lifting his feet he goes slinking through the grass sometimes pausing in mid-step with one foreleg and one hind leg in air then peering with cocked head into the hollows an action which causes the flaps of his erected ears to fall forward on both sides of his eyes and then raising both forepaws he will suddenly jump forward and will stare with dumbfounded expression at a spot where but a moment before there was something and where now there is nothing and then he begins to dig i feel a strong desire to go to him and await the result but then we should never be able to leave the spot bashan would expend his entire stock of joy in the chase right here in this meadow and this stock is meant to last him for the entire day and so i walk on untroubled by any thought that he might not be able to overtake me even though he should remain behind for a long time without having observed in what direction i had gone to him my track and trail are as clear as that of a bit of game should he have lost sight of me he is sure with head lowered between his forepaws to come tearing along this trail i hear the clinking of his brass license tag his firm gallop behind me and then he goes shooting past me and turns with wagging tail once more to report himself on duty 
out yonder however in the woods or in the broad meadows alongside the brook i often halt and watch when i catch him digging for a mouse even though it should be late and i in danger of exceeding the time i have apportioned for my walk the passionate devotion with which he goes to work is so fascinating to observe his profound enthusiasm is so contagious that i cannot but wish him success with all my heart and naturally i also wish to be a witness of this success the spot he is attacking may have made quite an innocent impression in its outward aspect it is let us say some mossy little mound at the foot of a birch and possibly penetrated by its roots but did not my passion hear the quarry scent it perhaps even see it as it switched away he is absolutely certain that his bit of game is sitting there under the earth in some snug runlet or burrow all that is necessary is to get at it and so he goes digging away for all he is worth in absolute devotion to his task and oblivious to the world he proceeds not ragingly but with a certain fine deliberation with the tempered passion of the real sportsman it is wonderful to see his small tiger-striped body beneath the smooth coat of which the ribs align themselves and the muscles play is hollowed is concave in the middle his hindquarters with the stump of a tail vibrating to quick time is erected vertically his head is between his forepaws and thrust into the slant hole he has already dug with averted face he continues with the rapid strokes of his iron claws to tear up the earth more and more lumps of sod pebbles shreds of glass and bits of roots fly all about me sometimes his snortings are heard in the silence of the fields that is when he has succeeded in penetrating some little distance and in wedging his snout into the entrance to the burrow in order by means of his scent to keep check upon the clever still and timid creature within there his breathing sounds muffled he ejects his breath in a blast in order to be able to empty his lungs quickly and to draw in the delicate acrid distant and yet disguised odour of the mice what emotions must surge through the breast of the little animal down there when it hears this hollow and muffled snorting well that is its own affair or perhaps god's affair who has decreed that bashan shall be the enemy and persecutor of these earth mice and then is not fear only an intensified feeling for life if no bashan existed the little mouse would very likely be bored to death and what use or purpose would then be served by its beady-eyed cleverness and its art of swift mining operations factors that fairly well equalize the conditions of the battle so that the success of the party upon the offensive always remains highly problematical even improbable indeed i feel no compassion for the mouse inwardly i take sides with passion and sometimes i cannot remain content with the role of a mere spectator i get my walking-stick into play whenever some firmly bedded pebble some tough cord of a root is in his way and help him to get rid of these obstacles then sometimes in the midst of his hot and furious activity he will throw up his head and bestow upon me a swift and fervent glance of gratitude and approval 
with munching jaws and glinting teeth he goes working his way into the stubborn fibrous ground tears away clods throws them aside sends his resonant snorts once more into the depths and then fired to renewed action by the provocative scent sets his claws once more into furious action in the great majority of cases this is all love's labor lost with the moist earth clinging to his nose and sprinkled about his shoulders bashan makes another quick and superficial survey of the territory and then gives it up and jogs indifferently on there was nothing doing bashan i remark to him when he chances to look at me nothing doing i repeat shaking my head and raising my brows and my shoulders so as to make the message plainer but it is not at all necessary to comfort him his failure does not depress him for a moment to hunt is to hunt the titbit of game is the least of all considerations it was take it all in all a magnificent effort he thinks in so far as he still happens to think of this violent business he has just been through for now he is already on new adventure bent adventures of which there is indeed no lack in the three zones of this domain sometimes however he happens to catch the mouse and then something occurs which never fails to strike me with horror for bashan devours his prey alive with hide and hair perhaps the unfortunate creature had not been properly advised by its instincts of self-preservation and had chosen a spot for its burrow which was too soft too unprotected and too easily excavated perhaps the little creature's tunnels had not been sunk deep enough or it had been paralyzed by fright and prevented from burrowing to deeper levels or it had perchance lost its head and crouching a few inches under the surface with its little beady eyes popping out of their sockets with horror listened to that terrible snorting coming nearer and nearer no matter the iron claws disinter it uncover it fling it into the air into the pitiless glare of the day hapless little mouse you had good cause to be frightened and it is well that this immense and comprehensible fright has already reduced you to a kind of semi-consciousness for now the tiny rodent is to be converted into pap and pulp bashan has caught it by the tail he tosses it upon the ground twice or thrice a very faint squeak is heard the last that is vouchsafed to the god-forsaken little mouse and then bashan snaps it up and it disappears between his jaws and the white gleaming teeth he stands there with legs four square and forepaws braced his neck is lowered and thrust forth as he chews he catches at the tidbit again and again and throws it into the proper position in his mouth the tiny bones are heard to crack a shred of fur hangs for a moment from the corner of his mouth he draws it in and then all is over bashan then executes a kind of dance of joy and triumph circling around me as i stand leaning on my cane with cold shudders rushing up and down my spine you're a fine fellow i say to him in a kind of gruesome recognition of his victory you scoundrel you murderer you cannibal these words cause him to dance still more wildly and one might say almost to laugh aloud so i proceed on my way somewhat chilled in the limbs owing to the tragedy i have just witnessed 
and yet inwardly enlightened by the brutal humor of life the thing after all is quite in order in nature's order a mouselet which had been ill-advised by its faulty instincts has simply been converted into pap and pulp nevertheless i am inwardly gratified when in such instances as the foregoing it did not become necessary for me to help along the natural order of things with my cane but remained a simple and passive spectator startling and even terrifying is it when some pheasant suddenly bursts from the thicket in which sleeping or waking it had hoped to remain undiscovered some coin of concealment from which bashan's delicate and unobtrusive nose had after a little searching managed to rouse it thumping and flapping with frightened and indignant cries and cacklings the large rust-red and long-tailed bird lifts itself a wing and with all the silly heedlessness of a hen goes scattering upon some tree from which it begins to scold whilst bashan erect against the trunk barks up at the fowl stormily savagely the meaning behind this barking is clear it says plainly enough get off get off that perch tend to business fly off so i can have my bit of fun get off i want to chase you the pheasant cannot apparently resist this powerful voice and off it scuds making its way with heavy flight through the branches still cackling and complaining whilst bashan full of manly silence pursues it smartly along the level ground this is sufficient for bashan's bliss his wish and his will go no farther what would have happened had he caught the bird nothing i assure you absolutely nothing i once saw him with the bird between his claws he had probably come upon it whilst it lay in deep sleep so that the clumsy thing had had no time to lift itself from the ground on that occasion bashan had stood over the fowl an utterly bewildered victor and did not know what to do next with one wing raked wide open and with its beak drawn aside to the very limit of its neck the pheasant lay in the grass and screamed screamed without a single pause a passer-by might have thought that some old woman was being murdered in the bushes i hurried up bent upon preventing something horrible but i was soon convinced that there was nothing to fear bashan's all too conspicuous confusion the half curious half disgusted mien with which head aslant he looked down upon his prisoner assured me of that this old wives screeching and dinning in his ears very likely got upon his nerves the whole affair apparently caused him more embarrassment than triumph was it in victory or in shame that he pulled a couple of feathers out of his victim's dress very very cautiously with his mouth refraining from all use of his teeth and then threw them aside with an angry toss of his head he followed this tribute to his predatory instincts by taking his paw off his victim and letting it go free not out of magnanimity to be sure but simply because the situation bored him and because it really had nothing in common with the stir and gaiety of the chase never had i seen a more astonished bird it had closed its account with life and for a brief space it seemed that it no longer knew what used to make of life for it lay in the grass as though dead it then tottered along the ground for a bit swung clumsily upon a tree appeared about to fall from it summoned its strength 
and then with heavily dragging feathery raiment went fluttering off into the distance it no longer squawked but kept its bill shut silently the bird flew across the park the river the forest beyond the river away away as far as its short wings could carry it it is certain that this particular pheasant never returned to this particular spot there are however a good many of his breed in our hunting grounds and bashan hounds and hunts them in an honourable sportsmanlike manner and according to the rules of the game the only real blood guilt that lies heavily upon his head is the devouring of the field mice and this too appears as something incidental and negligible it is the scenting out the drive the pursuit which serve him as a noble end in themselves all who were able to observe him at this brilliant game would come to the same conclusion how beautiful he grows how ideal how perfect to the end and purpose it is thus that the awkward and loutish peasant lad of the hills becomes perfect and picturesque when you see him standing amidst the rocks and cliffs as a hunter of the gemshock all that is noble genuine and fine in bashan is driven to the surface and achieves a glorious efflorescence in such hours as these that is why he pants for these hours with such intensity and why he suffers so poignantly when they pass unused bashan is no toy spaniel he is the veritable woodsman and pathfinder such as figure heroically in books a great joy in himself in his own existence cries from every one of the martial masculine and striking poses which he assumes and which succeed one another with almost cinematographic rapidity there are few things which are able so to refresh my eyes as the sight of him as he goes sailing through the underbrush in a light feathering trot and then suddenly stands at gaze with one paw daintily raised and bent inward sagacious vigilant impressive with all his faculties in a radiant intensification and then amidst all this imposing statuesqueness it is possible that he may give vent to a sudden squeak or yelp occasioned very likely by having caught his foot in something thorny but this too is all in order with the course of nature and with the perfection of the picture this cheery readiness to be splendidly simple it is capable of diminishing his dignity only as a breath dims a mirror the superbness of his carriage is restored the very next moment i look upon him my bashan and i am reminded of a time during which he lost all his pride and his gallant poise and was once more reduced to that condition of bodily and mental dejection in which we first saw him in the kitchen of that tavern in the mountains and from which he so painfully lifted himself to a faith in his own personality and in life i do not know what ailed him he began to bleed from the mouth or the nose or the ears even to-day i have no clear idea of his particular malady but wherever he went in those days he left marks of blood behind him in the grass of the hunting-grounds in the straw of his kennel on the floor of the house when he entered it and yet there was no external injury anywhere visible at times his entire nose seemed to be covered with red paint whenever he sneezed he would send forth a spray of blood 
and then he would step in the drops and leave brick-red impressions of his paws wherever he went. Careful examinations were made, but these led to no results, and thus brought about increased anxieties. Were his lungs attacked, or was he afflicted by some mysterious distemper of which we had never heard? Something to which his breed was subject? since the strange as well as unpleasant phenomena did not cease after some days it was decided that he must go to the dog's hospital kindly but firmly bashan's master imposed upon him on the day following it was about noon the leathern muzzle that mask of stubborn meshes which bashan loathes above all things and of which he always seeks to rid himself by violent shakings of his head and furious rubbings of his paws he was fastened to the braided leash and thus harnessed was led up the avenue on the left-hand side then through the local park and a suburban street into the group of buildings belonging to the high school we passed beneath the portal and crossed the courtyard we then entered a waiting-room against the walls of which sat a number of persons all of whom like myself held a dog on a leash dogs of different breeds and sizes who regarded one another with melancholy eyes through their leather muzzles there was an old and motherly dame with her fat and apoplectic pug a footman in livery with a tall and snow-white russian deerhound who emitted from time to time a dry and aristocratic cough a countryman with a dachshund apparently a case for orthopedic science since all his feet were planted upon his body in the most crooked and distorted manner and many others the attendant at this veterinary clinic admitted the patients one after the other into the adjoining consulting-room at length the door to this was also open for me in bashan the professor was a man of advanced age and was clad in a long white operating coat he wore gold-rimmed spectacles his head was crowned with grey curls and his whole manner was so amiable and conveyed such an air of wise kindliness that i would immediately have entrusted myself and my family to him in any emergency whilst i gave him my account of things he smiled paternally upon his patient who sat there in front of him and turned up to him a pair of humble and trustful eyes he's got fine eyes said the doctor without allowing bashan's hybrid goatee to disturb him and declared that he was ready to make an investigation at once bashan quite helpless with astonishment was now with the aid of the attendant spread upon the table it was moving to see how the old doctor applied the stethoscope to the breast of the tiger-striped little mannequin and performed his auscultation just as i had seen it done in my case more than once he listened to the swift workings of the tiny canine heart and sounded his entire organic internal functions from different points of his exterior hereupon tucking his stethoscope under his arm he began to examine bashan's eyes with both hands his nose as well as the roof of his mouth and then ventured upon delivering a preliminary prognosis the dog said he was a trifle nervous and anemic but otherwise in good condition it might be epitaxis or hematothemesis but it might also be a case of tracheal or pharyngeal hemorrhage this was by no means precluded for the present one would be most inclined to call it a case of hemoptysis 
It was necessary to keep the animal under careful observation. I should do best to leave him here, and then call and inquire again in the course of a week. Thus instructed, I expressed my thanks and gave Bashan a farewell pat on the shoulder. I saw how the attendant led Bashan across the courtyard towards the entrance to a building at the rear, and how Bashan, with a bewildered and anxious expression on his face, looked back at me. And yet he should have felt flattered, just as I could not help feeling flattered by hearing the professor declare him to be nervous and anemic. No one who had stood at his cradle could ever have imagined that it was written in his horoscope that he was one day to be said to be suffering from two such fashionable ailments, or that medical science would be called in to deliberate over him with such gravity and solicitude. From that day on, my walks were to me what unsalted food is to the palate. They gave me little pleasure. No silent tumult of joy burst upon me when I went out. Under way, no proud, high, mad, helter-skelter of the chase surrounded me. The park seemed to me desolate. I was bored. I did not fail to make inquiries by telephone during the interval of waiting. The answer, communicated from some subordinate quarter, was to the effect that the health of the patient was as good as could be expected under the circumstances, circumstances which, for good reasons or for bad, one did not trouble to designate more clearly. As soon as the day arrived on which I had taken Bashan to the veterinary institution, and the week was up, I once more made my way to the place. Guided by numerous signboards with inscriptions and pointing hands, liberally affixed to walls and doors, I managed, without going astray, to negotiate the door of the clinical department which sheltered Bashan. In accordance with the command upon an enameled plate on the door, I forbore to knock and walked in. The rather large room in which I found myself gave me the impression of a wild beast house in a menagerie. The atmosphere incidental to such a house also prevailed here, with the exception that the odor of the menagerie seemed to be mingled here with all kinds of sweetish medicinal vapors, a cloying and rather disturbing mixture. Cages with bars were set all around the walls, and nearly all of them were occupied. Resolute barks saluted me from one of these. A man, evidently the keeper, was busy with a rake and a shovel before the open door of one of these cages. He was pleased to respond to my greeting without interrupting his work, and then left me for the present entirely to my own impressions. End of chapter 5, part 1